Hello, my name is Reverend Seth Nelson, and I am the pastor of Faith Lutheran Church in Ronan, Montana. Join in weekly to hear the good news of God's love proclaimed over your life. You can follow us on Podbean and iTunes. God bless you this day. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This week, uh, I had the opportunity uh, to attend the pastor's conference that we have, as uh, Lutherans in Montana, have held at uh, Chico Hot Springs for over 30 years. Um, I suppose with the, there was a you know, two-year disruption in that lately, as you can imagine. Um, I've, I deeply appreciate this time together with colleagues. Um, being a pastor can... Uh, be quite a bit more isolating and lonely than I imagined in my discernment to ministry. So to have a week uh, where I get to commiserate and reflect and just catch up with colleagues in a way that is uh, set for rest and relaxation after our season of Lent and Holy Week is is good and powerful. And I want to thank you all for supporting um, uh, me and Jen and the kids uh, attending and being part of this. Pericles even got to go, so <laughs> we got to run around uh, the field above Chico Hot Springs. Um, if you've been over there, they have a movie set now where they, they make movies uh, with in Paradise Valley with the mountains in the background, so it's kind of cool. <clears throat> um, anyway, uh, thinking about Chico the, this uh, in our pastor's conference there, and uh, while we were there, um, our bishop addressed us on the state of the church in Montana. This kind of happens every year, and sometimes it can be more interesting, sometimes a little bit less. Um, there were some hard realities, though, that she shared with us about the nature of the church. Uh, we are experiencing a major pastor drought across the, our denomination, I think several others are experiencing that as well. Uh, but in Montana, this has uh, happened in significant ways uh, in, in reflecting some changes in the call process as it's come down. Um, for those of you who are part of the church, maybe you remember how this went when I was called, maybe not. Um, so think with me, for you will, if you will, all the way long time ago, 2014. <laughs> so long ago, so long ago, right? Uh, at the time, uh, we still were on the older process, whereas candidates we could make uh, offer up some preferences, uh, but the powers that be between bishops and seminary representatives and uh, regional coordinators, things like that, uh, they made the final decisions. And we sent off our paperwork and um, put it into what we called the draft, and where they needed pastors, they would send you. Uh, so you may get your choices honored or not. Well, uh, surprise, surprise to nobody here, hopefully, one of the synods that I chose and asked to be sent to was the Montana Synod which encompasses most of Montana, as well as a couple of churches in northern Wyoming. To my great delight, got a bishop call from the bishop at the time, Bishop Jessica Christ, and that uh, they had a church in mind for us, and lo and behold, that church was Faith Lutheran in Ronan. 
And um, here I am still today. So, um, so now we're back in 2023. It's okay. Um, a surprise to me when I got here was uh, to find out that it was incredibly rare that any candidate would choose Montana. That uh, Montana is kind of low on a lot of people's lists. And oftentimes how candidates and pastors would end up in the Senate is that we are connected all the way to the coast. So many, many candidates would actually choose the region that includes Montana Synod um, and includes Oregon and Washington and Idaho all the way up to Alaska. But oftentimes they would not be thinking <laughs> of a place like Ronan as their first choice. Um, and uh, they would end up in the region and then be assigned to the Montana Synod. Not necessarily against their will, but not uh, also according to their will. Well, this has changed since 2014. And by 2023, now, now the candidates can uh, have a lot more choice uh, in terms of where they want to serve and uh, what they're, where they're open to being sent. As a result, uh, and for decades and generations almost, Montana, turns out we were far more reliant on candidates being sent to Montana against their will. Or at least not according to their will, sorry. <laughs> um, not according to their preferences. And yet, as many of us have experienced, Montana, Montana can kind of get into your skin and you want to stay here and serve here. And many would end up spending their careers here. Now, that is the case for a retired pastor in our congregation, Carl Rohr. He was uh, sent to intern in Townsend, and then come call process, he wanted to return. And most of his calls he served ended up being in the Montana Synod, or what is now the Montana Synod. Uh, as a result of this process changing, it's turning out that we are having a harder and harder time getting pastors to come to Montana. Which is a little surprising in the time of burgeoning population when we have no, uh, not enough housing for everybody. It's turning out kind of the opposite for uh, supplying our churches with new pastors. Um, that we were very much reliant on this model that had this more, more the sending, right? Sending beyond what you were thinking of. Kind of uh, maybe bending your preferences a little bit to find yourself in a place um, where you maybe wouldn't first choose. This is the case for a guy who um, started, uh, another pastor friend of mine who uh, was started about this, uh, the same time as me a couple months later. Uh, but he, he envisioned in requesting our region, he envisioned a place more like Seattle or Portland or somewhere on the coast and ended up being assigned to Montana, um, is serving in the greater Missoula area and is still in the first call just as long as I have been and intends to stay around Missoula, um, much to his surprise. He never would have thought that at the beginning of the process. But because he was sent here, he found his gospel mission ignited and uh, renewed and encouraged in ways that he did not expect. I share this as a reflection on what it means to be an apostle, what it means to be a sent one. As our youth, our young ones just a moment ago in the children's sermon pointed out, there is a natural resistance in us to leave home. Right? It's 
kind of daunting to think about moving more than a thousand miles away, and apparently it was a good thing I did this before my children were born. Otherwise, there might have been much greater protests <laughs> before making our move to Montana. Who knows? I, who knows on that? But. but God does that, right? God sends us out into the world, whether that be locally, as in going to school, to, um, for our young kids, having a totally different kind of uh, school experience or um, context experience, even going from our house to K. William Elementary, or K. William Harvey Elementary is being sent even just a half a mile away, a little bit different. But how much more does God send us out from the places we know, the people we have been, the world that we are comfortable with, to do a new thing, to encounter new people, to engage new communities, to engage new uh, lifestyles, to make new friends. More than that, to preach the same old message of hope, renewal, forgiveness, and transformation to new people, in new places, in new times, in new ways. We encounter that in our lesson from Acts. Here Peter is standing with the 11 other disciples. By the way, uh, as I mentioned to the kids, they were all disciples in just one instant, and they, they almost, you know, within three days' time, became apostles, sent ones. Everybody except for Judas made this transition as they stuck with Jesus and clung to the good news of not only his death, but his resurrection. And from the get-go, they realized that God was sending them out to tell this new story, sending them away from Jerusalem, sending them away from Galilee, sending them out into the world. And we know from history that not only did they head west to Rome, head up into Turkey, and the world, but they headed down to Egypt. From there, they even headed... Lesser, I didn't learn this until church history, but there was equal apostolic movement to the east, to what is today Iraq and Iran. And even as, there's some records that Christians made it even as far in those first centuries as India and China, uh, to more or less success in every direction that they went. That this good news, that this miracle worker that they had followed initially, you know, Peter says, Jesus of Nazareth, a man tested to you by, attested to you by God with deeds of power, wonders and signs that God did through him among you, as you yourselves know. What drew them in was at first miracles and teaching and the witness and, you know, making more bread and fish than they could eat. And at the wedding of Cana, more wine than they could drink, right? All these cool, good times that were easy and comfortable to follow. They knew Jesus for that at first. And then they knew Jesus as the resurrected one. As our Savior who beat death itself. And in that same instance, they became the apostles to tell that good news. To bring that good story, not only to Jerusalem, not only to Israel, but to all the world. And for that message to get out, they had to be the ones sent to tell. 
they had to follow that call to all the regions of the earth. And to tell the story that not only did God do good deeds, but as Peter said, but God raised him up, having freed him from death, because it was impossible for him to be held in its power. Here we are all these centuries later, gathered yet again, gathered in some ways still as disciples, still as followers, still as students. But each and every week we are also sent out from here. We become apostles when we leave the church doors. We become apostles when we go to work, when we go to the grocery store, when we go out to eat, when we recreate God's wonderful creation around us, wherever we may be, we become witnesses. Witnesses not only to the fact that Jesus did great miracles long ago, but witnesses to the Christian hope. That God does great, wondrous, immeasurable miracles in the lives of those we love as we continue to celebrate the resurrection. We continue to celebrate that great Easter miracle which we are welcomed into again and again and again. By keeping the hope alive, by forwarding the love of God to those we encounter everywhere, by continuing to put our trust in Jesus' greatest miracle, rising from the dead and welcoming us to do the same. We continue to live this gospel hope wherever we may be in the world. We may not all be called to share the good news in India or China or Egypt or ancient Rome, wherever it may be. But we are all still called to be apostles the good news of Jesus Christ in this place, in every place we may ever be, and to bear witness the true hope that God loves us in this life and the next, in this mortality and in our immortality. I welcome you into that hope again this week, and may we forever be renewed by it ourselves and continue to renew the world through that Christian hope, wherever we may be sent to. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. I hope that you have enjoyed this week's sermon podcast. If you would like to hear more, read my blog, or get a copy of my book called The Church Unknown, go to www.revsethnelson.com. If you feel called to support our ministry, I invite you to go to our church's website at flcronan.org and click on the Offerings tab. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace.